Hello friends, so we are back in the book, what the authors of the New Testament really cared about, and we are finishing up the last section of the Gospel of John. So this first section is called, John, in his Gospel, rejoice that those who believe enter life now. John said that those Jews and Gentiles who believed in Jesus found salvation, or in John's terms, life or eternal life. Life and eternal life in John are basically synonymous. While we often think of the future, possibly even of heaven, when we hear the term eternal life, a quantity of time, John mainly wanted us to think about the present, a quality of life now. John did include the idea of future heavenly blessings at a couple of points, Example given is John chapter 6, verse 40 and 54. But he put far more emphasis upon the benefits of a changed life in the present. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus not only gives life, but he also sustains it as the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 50. At the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus declared, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. John chapter 10, verse 28. This next section is called Blessings for Those Who Have Found Life. What does this life to the full look like? John emphasized many blessings for those who believe in Jesus. They would receive all the benefits of acceptance into God's family as children of God. John chapter 1 verse 12. The blessings of the messianic kingdom are bountiful. They began with an eternal and experiential relationship with the Father and Jesus. John chapter 14 verse 23, which includes worshiping God. John chapter 4 verse 21. But they do not end there. This next section is called freedom. Those who believe in Jesus also find freedom. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John chapter 8 verse 32. Freedom in our culture generally means the ability to do whatever one desires. For John, however, freedom meant something very different. John said that the one who believed in Jesus would know and obey the truth of Jesus' teachings. This truth will set you free from slavery to sin. John chapter 8 verse 31 through 34. Jesus drastically redefined freedom. Rather than doing whatever one wants, freedom should be understood as the ability to overcome sin through obedience to the truth of Jesus' teachings and the power of the Spirit. John chapter 14 verse 26 and John chapter 16 verse 13 through 15. This next section is called Holy Spirit and Peace. Though the free person would continue to have trouble, to some extent in this world, John chapter 16, verse 33, those who believe in Jesus would receive the presence of the Holy Spirit, John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. The Spirit would teach and remind them of Jesus' words and bring them peace that the world could not understand, John chapter 14, verse 26 through 27. As a result, our hearts should not be troubled. John chapter 14, verse 1. 
This next section is called love. John included love as another of the benefits that Jesus brought. John wanted his readers to know that they were extravagantly loved. This love had both a vertical dimension in that believers were loved by God and Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 16 and John chapter 15 verse 12. And a horizontal dimension in that believers were loved by fellow believers. John chapter 13 verse 34 through 35. The love and unity found within the Godhead served as the foundation for the unity and love that would characterize his disciples. John chapter 17 verse 26. This last section is called joy. One final benefit that believers received was joy. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John chapter 15 verse 11. Jesus was not interested in his disciples receiving a little joy. Rather, he prayed that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. John chapter 17 verse 13. As a result of all these benefits, the disciples of Jesus would never go hungry, never be thirsty. John chapter 6 verse 35. Life with Jesus would be satisfying life that left no deep unsatisfied longings. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John chapter 10 verse 10. We must keep in mind, however, that though we are presently members of the kingdom of God, it is also true that the kingdom has not yet fully come. As John mentioned, the ruler of this world continues to exert his influence. Believers live in an inaugurated kingdom here on earth. Believers can overcome sin, but not fully. God heals, but not always. Believers truly experience peace, but still have troubles in this life. So these little paragraphs tell us that John wanted us to know that the kingdom of God would bring a relationship with the Father and Jesus and freedom, the Holy Spirit and peace, love and joy. I, as a Christian, have always believed that Jesus died for my sins and I've always believed in God. But I never truly gave my life to God the way I have now. I would always see those people sitting on the pews or standing, crying and worshiping, and I kind of thought it was all for show. I didn't really understand why they would do that and make themselves look humiliated in public. But now that I have gotten to know God more and know his amazing grace and mercy and kindness, it's just so powerful and moving and I truly understand why people go through the motions that they go through whenever they worship. In the beginning stages of my journey I was engulfed with this love, this pure love that I had never felt before and a happiness that I couldn't understand and I couldn't explain. It was like nothing in this world mattered because God loved me and he forgave me for all of my sins. And he found me when I wasn't even looking for him. And I didn't think that I was lost to him, but he found me anyway. 
every day it seems like I'm learning still about the Holy Spirit and the peace that God gives us. I am a very anxious person and it's not really that I'm anxious, it's just that I overthink things and I think of the worst case scenario when I really shouldn't be keeping my eyes on what's around me, but rather who's in front of me. Because God is always in front of us, always two steps ahead, and he always has our best interests in mind. Okay, on to the next paragraph. This is called Responsibilities for Those Who Have Found Life. So this is what we should do as Christians when we have found the life that is Jesus Christ. John wanted his readers to know that it is not enough to simply believe in Jesus and receive the benefits of believing. Becoming a follower of Jesus was not just saying a sinner's prayer, but included a radical reorientation of thoughts and actions. The world would be able to see a difference in the believer's life. When Jesus instructed the disciples to believe in the light, the result was that they would become sons of light. That's from John chapter 12, verse 36. The phrase, sons of light, may simply mean characterized by light. In other words, those who follow Jesus, the light of the world, become more like their holy and righteous Father. That's from John chapter 17, verse 11 and verse 25. Then it goes on to list a few ways that we can be sons of light. This first section is called holiness. First century Judaism expected the Messiah to bring holiness. There will be no unrighteousness among them in his days, for all shall be holy, and their king shall be the Lord Messiah. That's from Psalms of Solomon, 1732. John called believers to live holy, set-apart lives, without compromising their values, even though they lived within and witnessed to the dark, sinful world, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. John chapter 17, verse 15. The Holy Spirit was given to aid in the journey toward holiness, sanctification. This next section is called love. Love was not only a benefit of salvation, but perhaps was also the most important responsibility that John gave. Love for John was not a vague sentimental feeling but was intimately connected to the acts of love toward God, Jesus, and others. Love was to be exemplified in obedience. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. John chapter 14 verse 23 As Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father, the believer was to obey Jesus' teachings. As sheep line up behind and follow their shepherd, in the same way, believers follow after the good shepherd, because they know his voice. John chapter 10 verse 4. They do not follow after the stranger who only wants to steal and kill and destroy. That's from John chapter 10 verse 10. This next section is called sacrificial love. Love each other as I have loved you. John chapter 15 verse 12. Love for others was to be sacrificial. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life 
before his friends. John chapter 15, verse 13. The call to Peter was a call to all. Feed my sheep. John chapter 21, verse 15, 16, and 17. The believer is to lovingly take care of the needs of others. Such a calling is sacrificial. It certainly isn't easy. Just as the good shepherd humbly washed the disciples' feet, John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17, and laid down his life for the glory of God, John chapter 10, verse 11, and John chapter 12, verse 24. The believer must also deny selfish desires and humbly serve others for God's glory. John chapter 13, verse 14 through 15. This next section is called fruit. Using the metaphor of the vine and the branches, Jesus called believers to remain in him. John chapter 15, verse 4. Remaining in Jesus and in his words indicated that the disciple needed to know and obey Jesus' teachings. If the disciple remained in Jesus, he or she would bear fruit. John chapter 15, verse 5. Many look to Paul's writings on the fruit of the Spirit to define what fruit meant in John's gospel. But fruit in John was exclusively connected with love. John chapter 15, verse 6, 9, 12, and 17. And remotely extended to leading others to faith in Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 16. In other words, those who bear fruit are those who love both Jesus and others. This ultimately leads to unity in the church. John chapter 17, verse 11 and 22. That section takes a lot of commitment for a new believer for sure, but it is so much more simple than we make it out to be. A lot of people think, oh, I don't have the time or... Maybe they just don't want to speak on the subject of religion because they don't want to offend anybody. But God says for us not to be lukewarm. He wants us either to fully believe in him or not to believe in him at all. So if you're allowing a brother or sister to be lukewarm, that could potentially be on you if they don't make it into heaven. So, you know, it's not that hard. You just have to bring it up. It's not going to hurt them. And if it does, maybe they're not lukewarm. Maybe they're just completely cold. We must be on fire for Christ. And to be on fire for Christ, I know that it just makes me want to spread the word with whoever can listen. And so if you're on fire for Christ, just bring it up. Just talk about God in your day at the grocery store with a coworker, with a friend, with a sibling even. Jesus is so amazing that he sacrificed his life for us, but we can't talk about him in a split second. Also, how hard is loving each other? There is so much hatred in this world, and of course there would be, you know, if Satan is the prince of this world, but Jesus loved us no matter what we did, and he died for our sins. 
he laid down his life and we did not even deserve it. So if that person is talking about you or if that person is wearing something that you don't think they should be wearing or if that person just isn't a good person, remember that Jesus died for them too. It's not always easy to love everybody. But instead of being hateful and mean and malicious, how about we just write their name in our prayer book and pray about it and pray for them? Okay, so this last section is called John in his Gospel explained that just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sent out his followers. God sent Jesus on the most important mission ever, to bring life to a dark world. Though Jesus certainly completed his mission, God's mission was not totally completed. The mission continued, and it continued in Jesus' followers. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. John chapter 20 verse 21 and John chapter 17 verse 18. Just as Jesus taught people about God, his disciples were to teach others about God. John chapter 18 verse 20. Just as Jesus used works, including miraculous signs, to take care of the physical and spiritual needs of others, his disciples would likewise do works to care for the needs of others. John chapter 14 verse 12. Just as Jesus witnessed to others about the way to life through words and works, even in the midst of persecution and danger, his disciples were to witness to others through their words and works. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. John chapter 4 verse 35. Just as Jesus experienced hatred and rejection from the world, so also would his disciples for their testimony. John chapter 15 verse 18 through 19, John chapter 15 verse 27, and John chapter 16 verse 2. Just as Jesus and the Father lived in unity, the disciples were to live in unity with one another. John chapter 17 verse 23. In fact, John emphasized that the believer's unity was a vital element of evangelizing the world. When the church lives out the unity that Jesus provides, the world will believe. John chapter 17 verse 21. Just as Jesus brought forgiveness to many, the disciples were to forgive others. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. John chapter 20 verse 23. Just as Jesus was the good shepherd, his disciples were to take care of his sheep. John chapter 21 verse 15 through 17. This next section is called Help to Complete the Mission. Jesus did not leave this important mission to his disciples without help. As the Holy Spirit played an instrumental role in Jesus' own ministry, John chapter 1 verse 32 and 33, John chapter 3 verse 34, the Holy Spirit also called the Helper, the Counselor, or Paraclete, would help the disciples. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 16. The Spirit would be the powerful divine presence that would stay with the believer forever. John chapter 20, verse 22. The disciple would evangelize, but it would be the Spirit who would convict others of sin. John chapter 16, verse 8. John also recounted Jesus' powerful promise about prayer. 
just as the Father heard the prayers of Jesus, John chapter 11, verse 42. Jesus promised to hear and answer the disciples' prayers. This promise came immediately after the statement about the disciples doing greater works than Jesus. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. The promise of answered prayer, though, must be understood in John's context. These were not prayers for selfish desires, but were connected to the greater things, continuing the mission of God on earth after Jesus' departure. Jesus would continue his ministry through answering the disciples' prayers for help. These are prayers for God's glory. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. John chapter 14 verse 13 The disciples were instructed to pray in Jesus' name, which meant that they were to ask for things that line up with the character and desires of Jesus himself. Believers are Jesus' ambassadors, continuing his ministry and seeking for his help for things that line up with the things for which Jesus himself would pray. So that is the end of what John really cared about. I hope that you all learned a lot from this because I know that I sure did. Tomorrow we will be getting into the book of Luke. Till next time, friends.